When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Sonic Truth, dynasty-focused podcast on the Player Profiler Network. I'm Alan Zaslowski of rotowire.com along with Theo Grebinger, VOG, and special guest today. We have, you know what? Everyone says special guest, so we're not just going to call you a regular guest, John Daigle. I asked Theo to go out and get someone that goes to the same barber shop as I do, and he came through. And we appreciate you coming in to talk a little dynasty focused stuff. We don't, we try to not use the R word on here, redraft, too much, but this time of year, it's hard to uh, hard to avoid it. So, John Daigle, now you're most famous for couch surfing. Um, is that still true of you? I mean, when we used to hear you on the uh, the the couch with Sigmund Bloom, you'd be writing a fantasy article from like you know some Airbnb. What's the living situation right now? Someone went to my hypothetical wiki and has done their research. Good job. Yes, uh, I used to be a couch surfer because over the pandemic, since we couldn't travel, and I am someone with wanderlust admittedly, uh, I decided to then take to the country instead. So I just lived from my car, hotels, or Airbnbs. Airbnbs just to record shows because I was still working with NBC. And as we know, football was the only thing during the pandemic that did not stop. It actually just got even more emphasized since it was the only sport going with UFC. But drove from coast to coast four different times and thus living through, from my car, got to meet and stay on couches of so many different what I consider friends now in the fantasy industry. So don't do that as often. I'm now settled in Chicago. I found a nice little comfy home here, but I am still a traveler. Yes. Theo, you could never live that lifestyle. No, I, I you know, I'm, I'm more of a I'm more of a one place kind of guy, but I, I it was awesome. We actually John, uh, when I first connected with John, John I came on the goat district and he was one of the like the first like kind of big big guests that I was able to book um you know when we were really building it up and I think John I don't I don't even remember whose apartment you were at John but it certainly you were you were somewhere you were somewhere in the country when you first recorded with us and that was awesome um and yeah this was like dynasty week is coming to a close this it's this is officially day 8 so it's kind of like this is the the soft ending but I really really wanted to have John on for it John is what I consider like one of the giant voices now um, in fantasy. I listen to all of his stuff still. I know like he's very respected among analysts. And I think you have a little bit of a reputation now for what you do in redraft and some of the stuff you do in best ball. But you're also in a dynasty league with me. Um, Mm -hmm. We're in the Black Crown League. Um, Curtis Patrick added me this year. I was really, really uh, excited about that. But John has a great mind for pretty much everything fantasy football related, and I'm I'm happy to get a chance to just chop it up dynasty wise. 
John, John, we talk about Dynasty all the time on Sonic Truth Podcast. And, you know, we've been talking about it since January, since February. But what we forget is the FFPC reported that the most Dynasty startups got filled this week. So just talk about like a single quarterback league, Dynasty League, where it's three receivers, you know, a flex, all that kind of stuff. What do you think is the best way that newer Dynasty players or even experienced ones should build a Dynasty roster when they're in startup drafts? I always just support fewer bench spots and more starting spots. So even with single quarterback, three wide receivers, it's totally fine. I think giving people options like for super flex and tight end premiums, it's still the way to go, especially because whenever you're doing startups from the back of the first round, if the rest of the league goes heavy a quarterback tight end premium at least gives you a pivot a way to answer and just try to instead be unique with doubling tight end up and so that's why i prefer those options but for for simple one quarterback three wide receiver starts i think it's pretty basic those are also the most common rankings and mock drafts you can find online so honestly nothing unique to add really we're all chasing the big three quarterbacks of course even though i do think fields and justin herbert uh are at least gravitating towards those top three spots maybe even as early as this year honestly in points per game and so yeah honestly uh that's the way i prefer to play but nothing too crazy with a one qb league theo uh shared some fan mail with me this week also when mm-hmm. i suggested that in a single quarterback dynasty league that it might be okay to take a patrick mahomes at like pick 10 in a single quarterback league just because you're going to have these guys forever is uh and when i say fan mail it was hate mail um is is that even pliable or is that just total donkey stuff I don't think it's donkey, but it's not my cup of tea. I also, it gets lost, the the point of having fun in all of this, because all of us do so much intense research and uh, construction analysis and whatever. And so, like, if someone wants Patrick Mahomes for the next 15 years of his career, by all means. Like, do I think it's correct? No, but if it's fun in the end, go for it. I don't care anymore. That's why I actually just get excited about home leagues coming around in August because home leagues are the Wild West. They just yes. they make the 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 dense offseason of FFPC drafts, underdog drafts, everything we do, they make it so much more fun because everyone forgets about ADPs and just doesn't care anymore when it comes to home leagues. They're all using ranking sheets, but after the second or third shot, those ranking sheets go out the windows in the fifth round. So, yeah, just have fun, honestly. Theo, we've been uh, grinding our our dynasty rankings, our redraft best ball rankings, but question for you here is that with all the offseason news, chatters, rumors, doesn't matter if it's fake or real news, is there any specific piece of news that moved your dynasty rankings over at Player Profiler the most this year? Uh, Going dating back to, say, like February through now, what's a piece of news and the player that's moved up or down? Well, certainly the the biggest piece of news rankings wise uh, for us was was Ken Walker. We were ahead of him. Like Alan, when I came on your pod way before the NFL draft on on RotoWire, you know, you were way, uh, you know way ahead on on Ken Walker. I had I, I got a lot of flack. I, I kind of compared him to like a Nick Chubb. I said it was a guy we want to kind of sell. Um, Billy Muzio and I had JJ Zacharyson on First Class Fantasy, and and John's actually been on that. He was great. But JJ kind of brought him up as a dynasty sell early, and I think there was like a lot of pushback. But to me, it was easy um, when when Seattle drafted Zach Charbonnet. I think it made Ken Walker the biggest dynasty loser of this entire offseason. It doesn't matter what we think of him; he has increased competition, and he has a player that can take his job on the roster. He didn't have that before the NFL draft. I think he was kind of a top five ish running back in dynasty before the NFL draft, and now it's hard to. Hard to really consider him to be in like that that elite 
you know, top six ish. I think he's still the kind of guy you want on your roster, but there's certainly a lot of risk. So for me, that was kind of the the biggest the biggest faller and the most significant piece of news. Yeah, John, what do you think that was the headlines of all the headlines that have happened that it persuaded you for better or for worse uh, when you're talking about long-term value of players? There was quite a few of them, but I think Joe Mixon has probably gone through the ringer this offseason. <laughs> it probably was a time to sell in the beginning of the year, given that it was the final year of his contract anyhow. But honestly, just given their depth chart right now, the Bengals, and the fact that really all they did for competition was bring back Travion Williams on a $1 million deal and then also draft Chase Brown in the third round, or in a day three pick, I mean. And Chase Brown, as we know, didn't play special teams in his last two years in college. So if Joe Mixon is still on this roster come week one and Trayvon Williams and Chris Evans, who both played special teams in the playoffs, are active for this team, I don't know how Chase Brown is even like a game day active in the regular season. So um, I've gone all the way down and back all the way up now with Mixon, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Zeke Elliott's going to look good in the Bengals uniform, guys. But we're, we're going to talk about Joe Mixon. I, I like how Joe Mixon's ADP is in the FFPC. And we're going to come back and talk about him and a bunch uh, players. But first, quick word from our sponsors over at the FFPC. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a six. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline million dollar prize pool and their best ball leagues start in February and they're the answer to so many questions hey what's the best place to get a dynasty orphan well you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC right now there's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet that's why we partner with them so if you want to play fantasy football for low medium high stakes you love dynasty you love best ball you love seasonal leagues all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. All right, a little reset here. I'm Alan Soslowski of Rotowire.com for the Sonic Truth Podcast, along with Theo Greminger of Player Profiler, and of course, John Daigle, who does a lot of great work over at 4 for 4. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Uh, right before we left, uh, I was about to allude to that we were going to talk about our flag plant players, players that we just can't stop drafting or trading for, players that we're going to take a stand on, that we're going to tout, and then you know we're going to do some Twitter victory laps when they score a touchdown, and then if they do bo- poorly, guys, we're going to delete the tweet, right? We're not going to take credit for any bad doing. That's how but, it works. Yeah, I, I love the Joe Mixon call here because let's say they, they can't restructure him John um, and they do they do leave uh, he does cut him don't they have to bring somebody in they do and maybe that points to Dalvin Cook but right now these veteran free agents have been on the streets for so long I don't worry about any of them like at what point do we have confidence in your Leonard Fournette's cream hunts when even other teams don't even care they'd rather add the Zach Evans of the world sign Sean Tucker to large undrafted contracts um so so I just don't know how much it even matters and remember Burrow or for Mixon right now it's not about the contract negotiations that's what and how we knew Dalvin Cook was going to get cut because they offered, they lowballed him. He said, I don't want that. Thus, they came to a draw and they had to cut him. For Mixon, it's not even about the contract. Right now, it's really just about the looming suspension and off-field problems. But we've, we've still become so far removed from that as the months go along that I do think his spot on this roster is completely safe now. Yeah, well, yeah, we talk. Uh, well, Theo, I was going to say yeah. when we we talk about these veteran running backs, I don't I don't want to just hear about the Mixon situation because that's such an important one. But in all these drafts, these FFPCs, I get Leonard Fournette, I take Zeke Elliott, I take Kareem Hunt. Sometimes all three of them. Where are those three guys going to land? I I personally think that based on where the 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 market is right now, it's going to be somebody getting injured over the summer. Because like John said, if somebody wanted to lock these guys down, they've been sitting there. Somebody could, and the whole idea of giving them rest and not like having them show up to, you know, mini camps and stuff like that. You can still say, hey, you can sit this one out, just show up and sit on the sidelines. You can have veteran deference in that sense. But like the whole argument is this, this player is going to get, you know, affected because Zeke Elliott's going to sign there or Leonard Fournette's going to sign there. I mean, they're out there and they haven't been signed yet. So I personally think it's going to be, you know, every summer we see somebody get hurt. You know, we don't want it to happen, but it happens. The the J.K. Dobbins, the Cam Akers, these guys get hurt in the summertime. And I think you're going to see one of these teams say, you know what? I'm going to go get Leonard Fournette. I'm going to go get Zeke Elliott. I'm going to give those guys 15 touches a game and they'll be just fine. So I think we don't know with those kind of guys. I think Dalvin Cook is the difference because Dalvin Cook was playing at such an extremely high level last year. And I think that kind of gets pushed to the side. I think Dalvin Cook also is going to command more money. I, I personally think Dalvin, Dalvin Cook signs in, in July and somebody gives him a decent contract. The other guys, I think it's pretty low-level uh, amount of money, and I think it's a it's a you know potentially just a fill-in. There's some Kareem Hunt uh, rumors out there. I know that you know Washington has been linked to him recently and a, and a couple teams like that, but I don't know, Alan. I, I think it's I think it's kind of a wait and see with these older guys. To your point, Alan, we should definitely still be drafting Cook as a spot starter no matter where he lands. But I do agree with you. I think Zeke signs before Fournette. But Fournette is the one I'm still targeting whenever I draft those guys Mm. in the later rounds. If only because... I'm indifferent on Rashad White personally, but for whatever we think about Rashad White, uh, he finished 13 games with Leonard Fournette last year, and that coaching staff still trusted Fournette to out-touch White in 10 of those 13 games. So like, he's already proven he can be out there earning targets. And so that's why I prefer just to target him over Zeke. 
How about yeah. the Cleveland Browns? I mean, you know, they Jerome Ford, people are drafting him late in dynasty drafts and in best ball drafts, John. And it just there's something weird about it, right? It just doesn't feel like this is going to be their guy. It seems like one of the veterans could easily go to Cleveland. Which one's the most likely? Well, not Kareem Hunt. We know that. <laughs> not that already. Scratch him uh, off. I guess if it had to be one, the type of back they need is a Kareem Hunt-like receiving back. So it would probably be Fournette. But again, we're so far into this process. I think they just roll with Nick Chubb, honestly, and Jerome Ford. And I no don't think Jerome Ford. I think Jerome Ford's ADP has somewhat skyrocketed. I, I'm not sure he has standalone value, to be honest. Uh, whereas I just think the answer is still it all goes back to Nick Chubb, who already finished as the RB6 in points per game and half PPR leagues mm. just last year. Uh, FFPC, obviously, full PPR. But also, like remember, when Deshaun Watson went under center, that team averaged the 10th highest rate of three wide receiver sets. Whereas Jacoby Brissett, they were middle of the road, 16th overall. And from three wide receiver sets last year, Nick Chubb averaged seven yards per carry. And for his career, he's averaged 5.6 yards per carry from 11 personnel. So without Kareem Hunt now, after already finishing as the RB6, you have to question what is Chubb's ceiling now? And so I think, honestly, just all roads lead back to Chubb. So what are and they going to do? Oh, sorry, Theo, go and, ahead. And Felton's still on that roster. Talking about a guy with a little bit of pass catching ability, Allen, who I, uh, you know, has had injuries here and there, but I think Felton's a, a guy to watch this summer. Uh, Memphis Young of the Dynasty War Zone, uh, also on Player Profiler, uh, he's he's a big Felton guy. So I think that that's like, yeah, Jerome Ford. He's he's certainly the most like for like replacement for for Nick Chubb if there was an injury in season. I think that you know a veteran coming in would be Nick Chubb takes a knock at the beginning of August. And Cleveland doesn't feel confident in their running back depth, and they want to add a veteran. So if it if everybody stays healthy to the end of the summer, I think it I think it is Jerome Ford, um, you know, for better or for worse, with a little bit of Felton mixed in. Theo, something else that was very interesting in the real NFL draft this year was all the teams that drafted quarterbacks in the fourth round, hoping to hit the next Brock Purdy, but it's probably more likely that they're going to find the next Davis Mills, right? So Clayton Toon got some good buzz this week. He's got a chance to start week one. Uh, people, I mean, we already know Kyler Murray is unlikely to play, you know, before what, week eight? I would say he's probably not going to play at all this year. But you got Colt McCoy, you have Clayton Toon. Is this a player in some of those super flex formats that we should be targeting a little bit more aggressively? What's really the upside for Clayton Toon, uh, not knowing much about his college profile? Davis Mills. I mean, I think he would be like a low level starter in an, in an offense that will struggle. I think that stylistically Connor and, and Hollywood Brown and, and Rondell Moore, they have a couple pieces that we like, um, you know, maybe people are betting on Trey McBride right now. I mean, we certainly like it as a fantasy manager uh, for them to go with, with Clayton tune instead of a, you know, some like horrible situation, like a, like a Jeff Driscoll where they're not really running an NFL offense. Um, David Blau. I think he might be a little bit better than David Blau. I think we could say, you know, we can we can take an optimistic approach with with uh, with with Tune. Uh, John, are you are you on any of these Cardinals now? I kind of think they're so beat up that like James Conner is kind of. A, we talked about James Conner as like if you're a win now dynasty team, you can go get James Conner and Keontae Ingram for so cheap and just roll out with with Conner until until he falls off and potentially have a handcuff that is dirt cheap. Or are you trying to avoid Arizona Cardinals right now? For Connor and Marquise Brown, those are really the two I prioritize if I'm trying to win now. I do think Rondell Moore is still quite sneaky, if only because, you know, it's tough to pin him there, especially since they spent a day two pick on Michael Wilson, who 
as we know, like all, all those scouts, they go to the senior bowl and they give up. They stop scouting after that. They're like, oh, whoever looks good here, we're done. And Michael Wilson, of course, looked good at the senior bowl. But at the same time, like Rondo Moore, I still haven't projected to start in two wide sets right now. I guess it wouldn't be shocking if Wilson came out on top. But for Connor, I don't know how much it carries over given that it's an entirely new regime, an entirely different coaching staff. But remember, he did out-touch the rest of Arizona's backfield in his last seven games, 149 to 15. They basically just didn't give anyone else any amount of touches, and that's how Connor was a top 15 running back. Um, and remember, that Arizona offense over that time was still 27th in points per game, like just wasn't a potent offense. So as long as he gets the touches, he's still a uh, fringe RB1 in my opinion. My issue for Marquise Brown is that as y'all comp the upside for Clayton Toon, to Davis Mills, and basically everyone we saw under center for them last year without Kyler Murray, that's why everyone struggled without Kyler Murray because those quarterbacks were practically useless. Mm. And so, like, it's an egregiously small sample. But remember, Marquise Brown is in those last two games without Kyler and without Hopkins did see 40% of the team's air yards, but it didn't matter. Even the target share didn't matter. He averaged 68 receiving yards per game because the quarterbacks were so inaccurate and poor. And so I I do wonder if we're just going to be citing his – shares as if they're like xfl target shares where it gets like 30 percent, but they don't matter because the quarterbacks are so bad john you're on the clock in a best ball draft it's round yeah. five you need a receiver chris godwin or marquise brown chris godwin it's pro- <laughs> it probably is chris godwin but man there are just so many reasons to hate that offense like the the short answer is baker mayfield and kyle trask the the longer answer is that like the Rams two years ago, whenever Matthew Stafford had that career year and 80% of their touchdowns came through the air, the Bucks last year, 84% of their touchdowns came through the air. Like his, the, the highest rate in the last decade. It's not going to happen again. Not only that, but Brady not only captaining that offense to league highs and pass attempts per game the last two years, that volume falls off. Not only that, but Brady also feeding like targets within two seconds from snap to throw, which is top two the last two years, that's going to fall off because Brady understands offensive line play, an offensive line that no longer has Shaq Mason, so they just got worse this year. So it's just the Bucks' offense is definitely one I'm avoiding at all costs, but you know, I, I guess if Godwin in the fifth round for the targets, why the hell not? Yeah, they often talk about the edge in Dynasty. And you know what? With the information and great analysts like you two guys giving out information, there's almost no edge in information anymore. It's, right? it's how you apply it. So mm-hmm. one of the the edges that I still like in fantasy football is players that disappointed me last year but finished really strong. And one of those guys is Cam Akers. Theo, Cam Akers got some positive news again this week. He's still in the sixth round in Dynasty Leagues. People are hands off. I've been aggressively... What's the realistic outcome for a 23-year-old running back who won me the league last year? He was RB1, I think, in the championship or the semifinal last year. Why are people still a little bit afraid to draft Cam Akers? Well, I think there's always a a fear among Dynasty players for anybody who's had injuries, especially when it comes to the running back position. But Cam Akers is in a fantastic spot. Uh, You know, they certainly gave him the rock a ton to end last year. I think that that sixth-round ADP, as we come up to, like, main event season— He's going to start being a fifth round uh, selection just because it's very apparent that he's going to have a chance to be second fiddle in that offense to Cooper Cup. I know John's a massive Cooper Cup guy right now, but they need playmakers. Wait, wait, wait hold on. Massive Cooper Cup. He had, John has him as his WR2. 
Okay, that's way Billy Muzio in a high stakes draft got Cooper Cup at the 14th pick. John, oh, I, was, I was next to Billy when we saw that. Don't worry. Uh, well, there you go. I was so quite shocked. Yeah. let's underline that because aggr- you say, oh, who's aggressive on Cooper Cup? No, John is is going is saying that Cooper Cup is going to be the guy here. Continue, Theo. Yeah. So I think that there is and I don't want to put this on Cam Akers, but there is a number of parallels between Cam Akers situation this year and Josh Jacobs' situation last year. They're both getting selected, uh, you know, as back-end RB2s. They're both going in that, like, sixth round, seventh round, uh, kind of that gross running back spot. And they're both entering their fourth year in the league. So for me, it's there's some similar parallels where people were kind of hesitant to take Jacobs last summer. It was kind of like, I guess I'll take him here, guy. And he absolutely smashed. I don't see that as, as Akers this year. I don't think he's going to be like a top five running back, but I think he's the kind of guy that can give you top 15 running back production, like high end RB2 finish. And I think right now he's a, he's a tremendous uh, value at ADP. And Alan, you have like a point, like for dynasty managers, I think that the production might be worth more than what you'd have to give up to get acres. I think that a lot of like maybe a, 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 a couple of questionable type rookies could, could pull off of acres. I saw some like 112, 111, 110 type trades for acres by a couple of sharp managers in, in non-superflex. So I think that those those the values, the markets really hasn't adjusted to what a value he could be this year for your fantasy team. All they did was add a day three running back two after acres averaged 19 touches per game from week 13 on. And remember, last year's Rams offense was Sean McVay's first unit. Sean McVay, who was hired in 2019, his first one to average fewer than 62 plays per game. They averaged 58 and a half. I'm expecting significantly more volume for this offense as well. John, are you on Kyron Williams, Zach Evans, and I'll throw the, because there's, there's a hive Tion Evans. No, he's not even on the team anymore. He's they on, got rid uh, of Tion. Yeah, he's now on Carolina. Well, I stand corrected. So yeah. Ky- I feel like Kyron and Zach Evans is like polarizing right now, but because people want Zach Evans to be a thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like Kyron Ev- Kyron Williams is kind of like a a McVeigh guy. Where where would you be at? Is there a handcuff that you would be uh, you know considering getting on your fantasy teams for this year among those late 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 round picks for uh, LA? This time of year, I'm just such a boomer that I chase guys who I know play special teams. Thus, I know they're going to be active on game days. And remember, Zach Evans, before he got seriously injured, got injured as the team's primary kick returner in week Mm. one last year. So he's a primarily pass-catching back who is also on special teams. Thus, I naturally go to Kyron Williams. All of the reasons that, Theo, you just named are the reasons why I like Cam Akers. There is no clear backup. But, hey, John, John, let's continue with these uh, with running backs that nobody wants that could have a chance this year. Podfather's not here today, so we have a chance to talk about CEH in in a good way. Isaiah Pacheco, they're hoping he comes back to uh, midway through training camp, meaning he's not going to be there when training camp opens. Is this an opportunity CEH, I get him in the last round of best ball yeah. in a in a in a high stakes dynasty draft. I just did with Theo. I got him in like the seventeenth round. CEH, is there still hope for this guy? In for should dynasty managers target him as a throw in? I still have hope, but understandably, where he was getting production before he got injured last year and before Pacheco became 
uh, actual factor in that offense was based solely on touchdowns, and it was all going to bust. That balloon was the most easiest one to pop. We all saw it coming from a mile away, just like Jarrett McKinnon's receptions and how he scored in six consecutive games a receiving touchdown. We saw that going away from a mile away. And then, of course, Pacheco outtouched McKinnon 43-23 to in the postseason, including 3-2 to from inside the five-yard line. So I still believe, and I have no actual, like, substance to give you on this except that he's a last round pick who was a former first round pick i still take ceh in the last round especially because for like best ball leagues right we we gravitate towards week 17 stack since that's all we know we only know the teams we don't know anything else about week 17 and so maybe since we're all targeting jamar chase and the Bengals, ceh will be there as a starter in week 17 i don't know but that's why i take him in the last round i maybe that's hope maybe that's not who knows guys there was a tlc song about this don't go chasing waterfalls. Leave CEH. <laughs> pivot, guys. Sure. Pivot, guys. The dream D- is dead. TLC. Didn't one of them burn down Andre Risen's house? I mean, isn't I mean... Allegedly. Oh, allegedly, supposedly. Yes. Yeah, I, ahead, I, I, think, I think so. As someone who was taking Wayne Gallman in the last <laughs> round last year, uh, who didn't make the 49ers final roster, trust me, I've made worse last year on picks than CEH. I had a question for, for John, just a general, you know, I like to ask people this question this time of year. I think, you know, you guys bring up that it's difficult to find edges because there's so much information out there. Um, you know, years back, you'd have to go and find a guy like John or, or Evan Silva or, or Matt Kelly. And, and maybe they had like that inside, inside uh, information that could really help your fantasy league. Now with Twitter, now with all the news we get with what Rotowire is dropping with player profiler four for four. It's it's constant. How do you filter out, John, what's real and what's not? Because you have you have so much coming out this time of year. You have so many beat reporters. Are you a drum beats guy or are you a, you know, kind of apprehension and and maybe a a little bit pessimistic when you hear training camp and, and mini camp news? I am. Quite pessimistic, honestly, but also that I'm just fortunate to where that's admittedly, I have many weaknesses in life. I can go through all of them another time, but uh, one of my strengths is actually just like filtering out the bullshit. Uh, I, I got very good at that over the years of taking in all the information and literally only leaving myself with like one or two tidbits. Uh, that's that's actually how I, I had the shout out to myself, the most accurate mock draft in the nation this year because I took in all those well-leveled trade rumors and said, that's bullshit. Like, I don't believe that at all. And thus, I was the only one left with CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson at two and four. Um, And so, yeah, I just kind of do the work beforehand. Let's say, for instance, Jalen Hyatt right now. Like, Jalen Hyatt's ADP is around 160, 170 on FFPC. It depends where you're getting him at. But right now, I just, I have a really hard time to find like him doing any better than maybe like one spike week game. Um, Hayden Winks even pointed out in his college research that Hyatt only ran three routes from one or two wide receiver sets last year in Tennessee. Like his breakout year with 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and Hyatt couldn't get on the field except in Mickey Mouse packages that don't exist in the NFL. And so we've already heard that Hyatt's like working with second, third team offense. Like he's just struggling to get on the field already. So like ADPs like that don't make sense to me. I don't want to hype up those things. And so I kind of just go through the work that happens before the draft and after the draft, and then go into OTAs and say, I don't believe that because of the work we've already done. Right. The, shout, the, out to, shout out to John for his his great mock draft. And I will say that we were all out in, in Kansas City in the content house. And you were the talk of uh, uh you were the talk of it for a little bit uh for, for nailing that. I know that Cody and Billy 
and also Alex Dunlap also had entries in that. So, so big hat tip to you, John. And I'm also drafting Jaden Reed everywhere now because of Alex Dunlap. He's the one who kind of pointed me out. And then once we got the draft capital, it's like, oh, this is a player I need to get on top of. Yeah, he's, yeah. It, Reed's, Reed was such a such a great value. We talked about him a lot here on the Sonic Truth podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's starting to correct a little bit. Like in, you'll see it in the in the redraft streets, but uh, he's good. He's really still really too good. low. Yeah, still absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's a really good question, Theo. And I think everyone has their own process. And what John's telling me is that about filtering out noise from news. And when you've been doing it as long and you're in the weeds, you you kind of tend to have a, I hate to use the word gut feel, but just all that information that you've collected and you read into the words, this player may be more involved. That's nothing. Maybe. Of course, everyone might be more involved. It's like they hope to have this person Da, 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 da. It's those those non-definitive words, I think, are, are you have to really examine. And maybe also the source of where it's coming from. Is it a, a beat writer that's had credible hits versus just someone that throws uh, paint splatter at the wall? It's, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Otherwise, it's education. So it's not a big deal to get these things wrong. But again, once you've done this time and time again, uh, you have to remember the one thing we all have different from our from person to person is our own intuition. And so like, I can tell mm. someone my intuition, like whether they believe that or not, I don't know, but I have it within me. Even something as simple as like going outside right now, my biggest problem in life is these effing birds are eating my jalapeno plants. And so uh, I go outside oh. even to like check the plants and I poke the soil and I don't, I don't water based on an app. I water based on vibes. And so like my intuition tells me like, Oh, that soil needs water or not. And the plants are doing great. The organic seeds are actually all growing. And so it's just little things like that, I think, that differentiate each other from ourselves. Can you imagine what bird poop with jalapeno bites out of it is like? I mean, come on. I'm hoping that doesn't help. I'm trying to scare them off, Alan. I'm doing my best. All right, guys. It's time. We're about 30 minutes in. So I want to do our first round of flag plants to end Dynasty Week. And what this is, is we're just going to go one by one really quick. And a player that we can't stop trading for, we can't stop drafting. And it's really just a jump off point for conversation for maybe John or Theo has seen a player that... Uh, that you might be, you the listener might be a little soft on or a little aggressive on, and maybe this is uh, something confirming what you've already been doing, or is totally counter. And I, I like to take in all that information. So uh, we'll start with you, Theo. Who is uh, a flag plant player? And really, what we mean is a player that every time you, they seem to come up, whether they're at ADP or you're a little aggressive on, you can't stop drafting or trading for in some of your dynasty leagues. I mean, it was Jameer Gibbs. I did everything I could to get 102s before the NFL draft happened. In your rookie drafts. In the rookie drafts, in non-superflex. Um, and I did everything I could to try to try to trade for additional 102s after the uh, the NFL draft. And I also have taken Jameer Gibbs in Dynasty Startups. Uh, I think that he is going to be the next big thing at running back. I think that this is an offense that I am bullish on. I think he's going to be a real weapon for them. I think that if everything works out well, this could be like a Reggie Bush-like receiving year um, for Gibbs out the gate. And I know there's people apprehensive about the fact that David Montgomery's there. There's people apprehensive about the fact that he's a little bit smaller. But at the end of the day, I think he is an elite weapon. I think they're going to figure out how to use him. And all of the running backs with top 15 draft capital have hit. They've all given us a top six season. I think with a guy like Gibbs, it's going to come sooner than later. I would compare his rookie season to like what we saw from Christian McCaffrey right around RB12. I think that that's a reasonable expectation for him. So I, I'm I'm huge on Gibbs. But John, before we, we get over to your flag plan, Theo, you're on the clock in the late second round in a dynasty startup. 
Are you taking Brees Hall or Jameer Gibbs? Let's really test out your fortitude here. I took Jameer Gibbs over Brees Hall in a 750 FFPC startup. I mean, I'll take the guy. You know, it's very simple. I love Brees Hall. I still have a ton of Brees Hall. But one guy was drafted in the top 12. One guy was a second round pick. One guy is coming off a major injury. And one guy is healthy. If Brees Hall was never injured, it would be Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall would be right behind Bijan if he was never injured. And you could make a case that he could be, you know, I wouldn't, but some people could make a case that Brees Hall should be ahead of Bijan because we've actually seen it in the NFL field. But right now it's it's Gibbs for me. The John, way I put you... it, Theo, is that Swift was eighth among all running backs and targets per game, and they hated him. So there you go. That's simple sometimes. There you go. John, how do you feel about ACL players, uh, running backs, that following year and long-term for Dynasty? It, given where you know where Brees Hall goes in all these drafts, would you take someone like that before we get to your flag plant player or just let someone else deal with it? I'm glad you asked because now I get to do a shameless plug for the most accurate podcast, which I'm on every week, I host at 4 for 4. And I recently had those who know, not me, but I had Edwin Porras, and Adam Hutchinson, what they can call Adam. fantasy doctors, fantasy analysts, on the that. same show to answer these same questions. And they actually got me on top of Brees Hall, calling his current mid-third round ADP something you should attack because the torn ACL is completely different than Javante Williams, which is basically a restructuring and a massive tear across multiple ligaments. So Brees Hall is someone, according to them, the people that know, we should be on top of. All right, so and one more time for everyone that, that isn't already following your podcast, shame on you, but where can they find that again? The Most Accurate Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts at. All right. And I will, I'll co-sign that. that like I'll, I'll sometimes DM John, and I'll say, great show. That's like a weekly listen. I think it's a must listen when it's John and John behind the mic or it's you guys with a guest or you guys with Sam in season. It's, it's tremendous. Highly recommend it. Well, now I'm pissed off because now I have to add another podcast to my already absurd amount, but I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm every, I, every Wednesday afternoon, Alan, that's it. I'll I'm be in for you. I'm, I'll be, I'll be in. All right. Uh, you really going to bat right now, Theo for Jameer Gibbs. I like it. You, uh, you said you took him in a high stakes draft like that, John, same question to you, man, flag plant, put it down. Who's the player that you just can't stop drafting? Can't stop drafting is still Devontae Smith. Mm. Um, right now, because remember, last year his yards per route run increased across from A.J. Brown, got better. He was 30th as a rookie. They add A.J. Brown. He was 18th among all wide receivers. Not only that, remember, he showed standalone value in out-targeting A.J. Brown, 105 to 98 across their last 12 games together, including 11 of those 12 games having eight-plus targets. And so he's a player who's already shown he can explode across from A.J. Brown. And I do think this Eagles offense will somehow, you don't think so, but somehow be even more potent through the air this year. Um, first of all, their league high in rushing touchdowns, those 23 touchdowns were the most in the last five years in the NFL. So we expect that to regress. Also, Jalen Hurts against what was the league's easiest schedule averaged 19 and a half first half attempts compared to 11 second half attempts per game. Now that they have a median schedule, 16th overall, which induces more competition than the league's easiest, I do think we're finally going to get some teams to push back against them, which means Jalen Hurts goes through the air more often. So Devonta Smith is the player I'm jumping on top of. Let me ask can you I, this guy. Can I follow up, follow up to yeah. John on that? So my, just to take it over to the, to the redraft streets, is this Devonta Smith – outscoring A.J. Brown this year, or you think they're both very, very good at ADP? I think they are both very good. There will be weeks where Devontae scores A.J. Brown, but A.J. Brown's still the player I also want to be high on. I want to push both up. 
Yeah, I mean, you could get them both, right? If you want to, I mean, I don't know why with this other than a best ball, but you can get A.J. Brown at pick eight and then Devontae Smith early ahead of his ADP in round two. But I just looked, uh, weeks one through 17, full PPR rankings, Devontae Smith was wide receiver nine on the year. Like, I, well, I don't he, had think... the, he had the zero at the, to the week one as well. So everything Devontae Smith should be taken with like, let's remove that huge outlier game. And the season was even more impressive when you took that that zero from week one. Yeah, no, that's uh, Devontae Smith. I, I, there's one other guy I know, John, that's telling me Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith. Now hearing you say it, uh, it's probably the reason why I don't draft A.J. Brown. Go ahead. And right now, all you have to do, you said take him the second round ahead of ADP, but all you're doing really as a positional factor is taking him ahead of T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, and Chris Olave most of the time. Garrett Wilson's usually gone to the back of the first round. So Chris Olave, I do like a bunch, but if you're trying to mix and match your stacks with a large portfolio, of course I don't mind Devontae ahead of ADP. Right, and if you somehow, if you're in a league where Jalen Hurts falls to the third, I haven't seen that too much in the NFFC. I know in the FFPC, Jalen Hurts can make it to the third. Mm -hmm. That's the stack that's available to you because the A.J. Brown stack is not going to be available unless you want to take Hurts at, you know, in that early second round. So, you know, that that's a really good pivot off of A.J. Brown. Uh, I won't go too deep on mine. Uh, Christian Watson is certainly a flag plant guy. I just don't understand why he's not in the same tier as Alave and Garrett Wilson. I mean, I get why, but he was wide receiver nine by the end of, uh, from the time he became a full-time starter from like week 10 to week 18. And, you know, I understand all the reason why not, but you're not paying retail. You're paying wholesale with Christian Watson. And this has been a polarizing topic over at Player Profiler. So, so please feel free to crap on that or push back, John and Theo. So uh, is Christian Watson uh, a, a flag plant guy or is this a little bit, uh, maybe I should uh, pump the brakes here. I only trade him, Alan. He's actually like my flag plant get off guy. So he's uh, the red I flag plant guy. Yes, uh, I only trade him, though, because I'm even in industry leagues where he draws 2024-101s. And so if that's the case, I get off him every time. Um, remember, not only was he unable to out-target Alan Lazard last year. Everyone cites from week 10 on, that's when Christian Watson's breakout came. Even though the breakout came, seven of those touchdowns in a four-week stretch came on only 15 catches. I, I don't think that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. But also from that week 10 on spot, he averaged 4.7 targets to Alan Lazard 6.7. So everyone goes, okay, Lazard's not on the team anymore. I understand that, but he still couldn't out-target him. Also, he relied solely on touchdowns, and that's great for best ball or whatever, but he averaged 22.9 fantasy points in the four games he scored a touchdown. Uh, when he didn't score a touchdown in those surrounding six games, he averaged seven and a half points, which was 57th among all wide receivers. So you're, you're banking like a low-end tight end basically on explosion games, and that's it. And so for, to me, if I can get a 2024-101 for that, I'm doing that every time. That's my only pushback. And I'll, I'll say, Alan, like the, the whole argument of him versus like the Wilson and Alave. Not versus, because you don't have to pay the same price. So it's not no, versus. Certainly, yeah. but but why he's not in that, it, the sample size is smaller. A lot of it, his scoring was touchdown dependent. There is the quarterback change. And also the fact that he's a little bit older. So he's 24, 24. years old um, versus 23 for Alave. And Wilson is like 22 and a half. So... I think, and also the draft capital. You're talking about a second round guy versus a guy that was a you know top 15 pick. Even when you put like Drake London in the mix, I think like I, yeah, I don't I don't count him as second round draft capital as as much as I count T Higgins as second round draft. It was like one pick away, right? And they traded up to get him. But everything you guys are saying, the market agrees with you, not me. I mean, the market pushes him back two and a half rounds, and I think there's a little bit more volatility. The one other thing I'll say, and then we'll move on, is that. 
the the quarterback change, which John smartly brought up. It's uh, the w- game of one, sample of one. He did have four for 110 and a touchdown with Jordan Love. Sample one, but at least it was something. It was versus Philly. It was something. You know, there's something those, to hang my hand on. Those two drives by Jordan Love are hot, too. They, yeah. I, I During the pandemic, my worst investment was buying Jordan Love holographic rookie cards, like rare <laughs> rookie cards. And like I still have hope for them because of those two drives. All right. Before, go ahead. And I'll say this. Like, you know, John brought up Jaden Reed earlier in the show. If you're if you're bullish as Allen is on Christian Watson, or if you're bearish on him in terms of like a truly elite status as, as John is, I'll call myself somewhere in the middle there. Go and get Jaden Reed because I think that if Christian Watson does not hit this year at cost for Dynasty, it probably means that Jaden Reed had a really good rookie season. And I think there is a little bit of correlation in values with those guys and and a lot of outs where a year from now, Jaden Reed could be worth a lot more. Christian Watson could be worth the same or slightly less. But I think that having exposure to both, you're betting on one of those two being a a big time player, you know, heading into next year. And I think that's the way to play it. John, I'm about to jump out a window after that take because uh, I'm heavily invested in Christian Watson, and now I'm feeling uh, depressed. Uh, I actually took Christian Watson in a dynasty startup over Cooper Cup. Um, I think I'm going to go vomit now. But let's talk about those guys in dynasty before we get back to our flag plants, John. Let's say the older wide receivers, the 29, 30-year-olds that just are mega producers. We're talking about Devontae Adams. We're talking about Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, uh, and Stephon Diggs. Where are those guys? Where, where do they belong in dynasty? the rankings uh so Stephon Diggs Amari Cooper and what was the other one you mentioned it was uh Devontae Adams Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill now Devontae oh yeah uh so Tyreek Hill I, I still think should be very high up there uh probably ahead of Stephon Diggs right now I know I know we got the um, the rumors and he told everyone maybe for attention that he would retire uh, after this contract I don't know if that's true but at least we saw with Tua under Mike McDaniel like Tyree Kill is an absolute like world beater, a 31.5% target share to Waddle's 22% and gains from Tua. So it's like not even 1A, 1B as some call them. It's literally just Tyree Kill and an island alone. And then Waddle relying on efficiency, which he's the kind of player like Debo Samuel who can get by because he's a one of one talent when it comes to speed. But also, uh, remember, Tyree Kill already led the league in yards per route run, but that increased to massive 3.4 yards per route run in those games from Tua as well. So certainly someone I want to keep betting on. Diggs is an interesting one given the latest OTA news, but we talk about sifting through news and just like spitting out what matters. I don't think Diggs like trade rumors or grievances on June 18th matter so much when it comes to the regular season. So he's still someone I'm still fine with buying on around the first, second round turn. Correct me if I'm wrong, Theo. Um, but that's kind of where I have value him right now. Devontae Adams is the clear one to sell just because we don't know if we have Garoppolo. We don't know if Garoppolo matters whatsoever as well since Adams led the league in yards and touchdowns from 20 yards deep. Like Garoppolo's both attempts and completion rate 20 yards deep the last two years pales in comparison to Derek Carr's, who himself wasn't even a good thrower when it came to downfield shots. So like I do wonder about Adams' ceiling for the rest of his career, honestly, for as long as he stays in Las Vegas. So I would put Adams behind those two. Yeah, it's interesting because Tyreek Hill, like John brought up a a lot of factors with Tyreek Hill, but the guy had 170 targets and only seven touchdown catches. We've seen this guy put up a 15 uh, touchdown season recently, 12 touchdowns. I mean, the guy's a touchdown machine. So 
it's scary how high Tyreek Hill's upside is. And I think that the whole dynasty manager is kind of hating the fact that he might retire early is about the dumbest thing I've ever seen because we don't play this game in six-year windows. You're playing this game in like two-year windows or three-year windows. That's how you should approach your dynasty team. You want to win money in Dynasty. That's how you pay for future seasons. Not according yeah. to all the polls that I see. Uh, yeah. If, yeah, all the polls you say, what's the number one thing you like about Dynasty? People say trading. This is, so like, a Jordan, win- this is like a Jordan McNamara yeah, poll Yeah, right winning now. is yeah. not the most important thing. But go ahead, I digress. Yeah, so it's like I would say that in terms of cost in, in Dynasty leagues, in, in terms of drafting them and also in terms of trading for them, Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs cost more than Cooper Cup right now despite the fact that Cooper Cup is right there neck and neck with Hill and ahead of Diggs right now in ADP for redraft. I have made offers for Cooper Cup. John, you'll like this one. In a single quarterback FFPC 250, I traded Terry McLaurin and Chig Okonkwo to get Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, and my team was a contender, and now I think it's really, really a contender. Um, and I think that there's kind of a disconnect in terms of what these guys are worth in the redraft market versus what they're worth, um, you know, to our dynasty team. So I agree with John. It's, it's Tyreek Hill, it's Diggs, it's Cup, and then it's like a tear break to Adams because I have the same reservations you do. Uh, Las Vegas could be an, an absolute mess this year. And I like Terry McLaurin for that trade in particular um, as much as anyone else. But the issue, remember, is that Terry McLaurin last year, we had Curtis Samuel lead him in targets for more than a month of games worth. Then we had Jahan Dotson over the last month lead McLaurin in targets as well. And so, like, there's just this abundance of targets to go around, and it's not necessarily going back to McLaurin, who has yet to finish as a top 20 receiver in points per game for his entire career. And so, yeah, of course I'd get off that for for a two-year window for Cup even. Yeah, and just in terms of points per game, like, McLaurin's a guy that we always love the talent. But at the end of the day, he's never cracked 15 points per game. Right. You've seen Cooper Cup uh, put up just astronomical numbers. You've seen him put up 25 points per game. So now we're we're just measuring these things. So, um, to, like it's it is possible for you to go get elite assets right now without like you know paying up all of your future future draft picks. You can go get these guys with a you know a, a younger wide receiver two that might never crack wide receiver one status with a couple pieces on top. Yeah, let you me say. You say McLaurin never averaged 15, but then remember, as we always talk about Cup, Cup in eight full games of Stafford last year led Justin Jefferson, averaged over 20 per game. Yes. That's how good yes. Cup was. Yeah. 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 This is, uh, you're making me rethink Cup in a good way for this year as well. John, on the clock in a single, just redraft, just you take him at pick two after Jefferson. Is that what we're gathering here? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, Theo- uh, and also because for that reason, Alan, I, I agree with McCaffrey as the RB1 overall. But remember, the way the second and third round works, at this time anyways, uh, as we talk, you can get RB1s in the second and third round, like Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs even. They're all there. So I don't need to to draft McCaffrey at 102 or 103 when I'm still going to get an RB1 in my opinion. Right. So you like the second, the two, three turn running backs better than the receivers given what you can get. Yeah. So that's a roster construction thing. That's always interesting to uh, to think about that way. I just want to ask you uh, you both one more thing about the 30-year-old uh, wide receivers because what really is dynasty fantasy football? It's the value of players, right? We see mm-hmm. if we take the same player, we value them very differently in redraft than we do in dynasty. And all of those guys that we talked about, the Cooper Cups, Tyreek Hills, even Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, they go in the first round of our redraft leagues, but there's players that go after them that we value more in dynasty. So 
really when you when you when you juxtapose them with like T Higgins, Chris Olave, John, for example, what are you going to value more here? The the thirty year old produced now guys or someone that's flash in the NFL like T Higgins, like Chris Olave? Where should that group be in in you know the young versus the old from Dynasty when you do rankings? I'm valuing for startups the younger individual i think it's genuinely i I know it's a cop-out but it's a case-by-case basis honestly like there are teams where i've gone out and traded for keenan allen this offseason um best ball right now he's still one of the best values on the board because he's being undervalued for what he did last year and i'm not sure why i think just because as you mentioned like the 30 31 year old age right now uh keenan allen like last year he finished six games with Mike Williams, and in those six games, he averaged a team-high 28% target share. Like, all he does is lead that team in targets, and we have at least one more year from him, from Justin Herbert. Uh, and Justin Herbert in this Chargers offense, by the way, I know Theo was in my DMs. I forgot to write you back, Theo. I'm sorry. Was asking me this stat that I got from Sports Info Solutions that I keep citing on every podcast. Uh, Justin Herbert, only 23% of his dropbacks came with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the field last year. And in those 23% of dropbacks, he led the league in completion rate. So I think as long as they're healthy, the sky's the limit for this offense. And so I want that one-year window in this case for Mm -hmm. Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert. Yeah, Keenan Allen, though, you don't have to pay the freight for it. He goes no, like ninth and tenth. Well, you should trade for him if you're yeah. like competing for right now. Yeah, yeah. Super, In, uh, super cheap. Yeah, I actually was able to uh, to trade Tyler Algier pre-NFL draft for Keenan Allen. Somebody was happy to do that. That's like the dynasty trade of, you know. I, I, keep, I keep jumping in. I'm sorry. Uh, I just also wanted to say Quentin Johnson, who we're all high on. Remember, only 10% of his routes came from the slot in college. Thus, he's not a threat to Keenan Allen. He's a th- more of a threat for uh, boundary play and Mike Williams targets like underneath. That's it. You yeah. never have to apologize for jumping in. We we work with Podfather every week. The, we the sure. he, he he doesn't apologize and jumps in. So, but it's okay. We we love the Podfather. It's what makes him great. Theo, we're back to flag plants. Who's going to be your second flag plant player for the end dynasty week here? Gosh, you know this is this is a great question. Um, I want the second year wide receivers uh, in a in a dynasty startup. Recently, I took Chris Olave very very high. Alan, I know that's kind of like a. Flag planting Chris Olave uh, is kind of low hanging fruit right now for 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 fantasy because Very everyone bold loves take. him. Very yeah, bold so take. I'll, I'll go a little bit lower. Um, I believe that the the Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson tier right now is a little bit beat up, and I think that those kind of guys are a, you're able to acquire them. I think that there is a chance for Jahan Dotson to lead Washington wide receivers in PPR points this year. I think that this is a guy that played in 12 games and he had tied for tied your guy Christian Watson for most uh, touchdown catches for for rookie last year. And I think it's funny because we love to poke holes at stats, but you're talking about a guy who had elite touchdown production with elite draft capital in a situation where he's at least the clear number two target on his team. So for me, Jahan Dotson is kind of like a the fact that he's being drafted in like wide receiver 40 ish uh, land for redraft is a little, a little odd to me. I think he, he should easily be closer to like wide receiver 30. And I think he has a chance to finish as a wide receiver two this season. And then Traylon Burks is a guy that I have a lot of, but until somebody else lands there, this is a guy that's going to push for 28% target share. So the offense can be poor, but at the end of the day, like we talk about, John talks about like, the pessimism with with news reports and and just kind of thinking you know kind of brushing it aside but i i i always remember the the michael thomas rookie year where the drum beats were there from the beat reporters the coaches and then finally sean payton just comes out and's like just draft them for your fantasy teams 
it's kind of like that with Burks. Like Vrabel last year was was kind of pushing him aside. You saw Robert Woods and all these guys, you know, Burke struggled with like the asthma. I think there was some conditioning issues. Now pretty much every report out of Tennessee is how good Burks is doing, whether it's from the beat reporters, whether it's from Vrabel himself. So I think that like Burks, uh, it's been kind of too beat up in terms of where he's at, in terms of his ADP right now for redraft. And I think that there's a correlation with that in Dynasty. Uh, I, I think Burks is a breakout this year. And I think that he costs a lot less than he did last year as a rookie. And Dotson, it just, everything about Dotson, it doesn't connect versus what his trade value actually is. You're not connecting the dots on that one? There you go, Alan. That's, you go. that's why, that's incredible. Hey, John, what do you think the chances are? Give me a handicap percentage that Dotson outproduces Terry McLaurin for the season. I would still say, I still give McLaurin the lead. Gosh, I'd say 40-60. Okay, that's close. In favor yeah. McLaurin. Oh, uh, I, think right. I think it's close. <laughs> that's close. Um, not close enough, in my opinion, to be like 55-45, but I'm giving Dotson wow. still a little bit of a lean here. I, did I mean, not... he already did the last month, so. Right, I did not think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say 25% chance. I'm Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that there's a chance, so why not take Dotson? That's a good call, Theo. All right, John Daigle, give us another flag plan. A player can't stop drafting, can't stop trading for every time he's there. I will go with, although we're probably late in his window, I'll still go Tony Pollard. It's someone I still draft. Um, I, I think there is a long-term window here, but more importantly, the short-term window is massive. I, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott comes back to this team. I don't know how many more bullets he has to survive this offseason to where people finally start respecting his ADP. Like His touches per game alongside Ezekiel Elliott have increased in every year. But then remember, he has three starts without Elliott. He finishes the RB1, RB3, and RB7 on the week in those games, averaging 19.5 fantasy points. And now all this team has behind him is Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, and Ronald Jones. That's it. Um, maybe they add another veteran, but they're already out on Dalvin Cook. They haven't brought in Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt and taking them seriously. So honestly, all roads lead back to Pollard, who was even available for OTAs following last year's fibula surgery. So I think everything is just fine to, for him to be in every touchback and get the entire workload as long as he's healthy. John, I, I, I'm with you. I love Pollard right now, but there's some very sharp people that are kind of pushing back just Fair. in terms of can he take that volume leap? Is there a specific like projection you have for him? Because I think for him, like when I look at him, if if RB one is in overall is in the range of outcomes, like I really think it could happen. If it really happens with Pollard, I think you know he could hit top five, you know, running back status. Do you think he can get an eighty five target season, or do you think he's the kind of guy that could handle? Is he going to be able to handle two hundred and forty carries? Because one of the two, I think, has to happen. I don't think it can be like a like the 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 passing volume has to has to increase for him. Like his targets need to go way up, or he needs to be able to at least produce close to Zeke in terms of touches. And I think that like for me, it's more like a 215 carries, and then he gets an exceptional amount of targets that the market's really really not accounting for. How do you see it? I honestly think we get bailed out in drafting him at the end of the second round because, in my opinion, his floor is still low-end RB1. I mean, already last year, he only averaged 13.5 touches per game because Zeke was healthy in every game, and he finishes the RB9 in points per game. And so, like, now, 
even if they were to sign someone, you then have to then put Zeke 16 and a half touches per game to that dusty veteran that got signed in July. It just doesn't make sense logically. So if we get Pollard now getting even, let's say, 15 touches per game, and I think the ceiling is higher than that, then of course you would want a piece of that because that brings him, as you said, in Bijan, Austin Eckler territory as a top three or top four guy. And so, yeah, I'm drafting for a ceiling as middly, but only because I do not worry about his floor. I still think it's higher than RB9, honestly. Yeah, no, Pollard's an interesting one because I could so see it, and then there's people that push back, so it's probably what's keeping his ADP down. John, you, you mentioned Malik Davis was his backup. Yeah. Dynasty players, he might still be on the waiver wire and if you have a 25-deep team, maybe not so much in 30. Is Malik Davis built to be the backup here, or is he actually going to be one of those guys that you could stash in your lineup because he gets eight touches a week? No standalone value, in my opinion, but he's my pick. Uh, right now, it's between him and I already mentioned Ronald Jones, who we know about. And then as much as I want Deuce Vaughn to be good, uh, it's just a 5-5 five, five running back. We can't really bank on that in the NFL. So I, I have been taking Malik Davis as the bailout option, yes. Theo, do you think they're going to add a, just a quick prediction? Do you think Dallas adds anybody or they're happy with Davis? Uh, no, I, I I agree with John. I think it's going to be Malik Davis. I had a tweet out about the, you know, the handcuff running backs that I think are going to be more valuable August one than July one. And a lot of people hated my Malik Davis call. But again, the market is so oversaturated with all these available veterans and Dallas is just sitting there. So I think at the very least, they want to see Malik Davis in camp. And maybe, maybe just maybe they have a little more confidence in Ronald Jones than we do. But the thing about Davis is Davis can catch the ball. He was in the same backfield as Damian uh, Pierce at Florida, and he out-targeted him. So uh, I think that Davis uh, has a little bit of juice, and I think it's a guy that the Cowboys are familiar with. Uh, I'm Davis all the way. It's it's also, remember, historically a roster under the same owner for the last 30-plus years that has not cared about backups whatsoever. Mm. They worry about being top-heavy for the sexiness and selling jerseys, and they genuinely do not care about the last – 20 guys on that roster, which is why they always end up with poor backup quarterback play. No, And Jalen Tolbert potentially getting healthy scratch or trying to start games, thus leading to Dennis Houston being like your start of the first month of the season and no backup running back help. So I, I just genuinely don't think they care about adding other people. Which Cowboys jersey is going to sell the most Not after Dak Prescott this year? Uh, it's still CD. They gave CD, um, you know, Michael Irvin, Dez's number just to sell jerseys. Yeah, CD, uh, CD all day. Yeah, I have a flag plant that nobody uh, really likes, but I- I'm curious, uh, you know, that that edge in fantasy football, players that disappointed, that finished strong. Jerry Judy helped win you the, a fantasy championship if you made it through. I mean, it was like wide receiver six during the mm-hmm. fantasy playoffs. I know it was a lot of touchdowns, but it actually happened. We can't say, you know, regression, this, that. He, he came alive. So uh, I'll let you guys uh, break down the analysis here. I'll start over with John. Is Jerry Judy, I mean, again, this is a player that you're going to have people that just want to trade away for first. So are you in on Jerry Judy? He doesn't cost you much. Could we see a big breakout? I I do like that they have Sean Payton there. That is a good thing. He is my pick since we're now through two seasons of his career and he's played both the outside and the slot. Also, him and Cortland Sutton have overlapped for 23 games together, finished 23 games together the last two years. And Judy has had seven top 24 finishes to Sutton's four in that time. So Mm. either way you slice it, Judy's been the more reliable option. So he's the person I bet on. All right, Theo, uh, is Jerry Judy a worthy flag plant player or are you not drafting him in your high stakes I actually took him uh, this week in a in an FP in a, a players championship on FFPC, and I got him in the fifth round. I know we're not supposed to talk about redraft, Alan, but I still have my Jerry Judy shares in Dynasty, and uh, I agree with John. I think this is the year 
Um, you know, we believe in, in Sean Payton bringing normalcy to that offense. I think it's a, it's a, it's easily, I mean, it's, it's incredibly low hanging fruit to say Denver is going to be much better offensively because they were last in points per game, but I think they could make a significant leap. And Jerry Judy, I think is the focal point. We have, you know, John alluded to Javante Williams uh, injury concerns, you know, Samaje Piran's in the backfield. You have question marks of how much Marvin Mims, a guy we really like, but what, how they will use him. I think he's going to have a, a role. Um, you know, Sutton, you have Greg Dulcich in like a joker role. But at the end of the day, Jerry Judy is the one you want to bet on in that offense. Um, and if Russell Wilson bounces back, I think Jerry Judy is a guy that could flirt with low-end wide receiver one numbers. Uh, I think he's fine for your dynasty team. I do believe that he could be in, in dynasty he's not a long-term wide receiver one in dynasty. Uh, I think that's, you have to kind of measure that out. I think he's more of a guy that you're happy to have on your roster that could have a wide receiver one season this year. But I do believe Marvin Mims makes a big step forward in year two. And maybe that they kind of merge in terms of dynasty value a little bit. I just cannot shake the fact that when Nathaniel Hackett was fired, Russell Wilson then was the QB2, yes. QB3 on yes. the week. Albert O came alive. Like, that's <laughs> literally all it took was Hackett to be fired. So I keep coming back to that. Remember, they they gave Mike McGlinchey and Ben, ben Powers um, and Chris Menhurts big money to, to block and like help keep Russell Wilson upright this year. So I just love everything about the Sean Payton era so far. Yeah, it's uh, the the Hackett thing is like low key Urban Meyer, right? It's addition by yeah. subtraction, everything. Uh, all right, guys. Before we do our our last group of flag plants, I just want to ask you something about because a lot of people are jumping into Superflex Dynasty leagues, and a viable strategy if you can't get two elite quarterbacks is to get that. It's similar to what how you treat running backs. You get that one hero quarterback, and then you you accumulate all these uh, skill players, and then you kind of backfill with a few. Um, Let's call them risky quarterbacks. So of the risky quarterbacks that have a little bit of upside, of course I'm talking about Desmond Ritter on the Atlanta Falcons and Sam Howell on the Washington Commanders. John Daigle, which one of these guys is going to outlast the other? And what's the, I'd say, the bull case for both? I think the riskiest one, are we talking the top three or just the, the top we're, five we're, or six? We're talking just uh, Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. Those are the guys oh, that if you, want, if you if you want to completely punt quarterback two and just backfill it at the end and just grab a couple of those guys. Uh, so of those two, because they seem to have the shortest leash going into the season, which one do you think has the longer-term viability, if, if any of them? Sam Howell, I think, has much longer term. Um, remember, we are just three years removed from Sam Howell being the number one overall pick in the draft. And then everyone from Dami Brown, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, uh, Desmond Patton, I believe it was like all of them left North Carolina and left Sam Howell by himself without any NFL help. And that's how he became either a deep shot or rushing specialist because he had no one else to go to. And then last year we only saw one game. He was just fine. He at least provided fantasy points since we do know he had a rushing floor with those five carries, 35 yards and a touchdown and the final game. Now under Eric Bieniemy, uh, a bolstered up offense as well and whole off season to get united with Bieniemy as well in this new offense. So yeah, I, I think Sam, Sam Howe has a much longer leash, honestly. It is interesting, Alan, because you mentioned the two quarterbacks also who have big money veterans behind them as players who are clearly there to push them. My only issue, though, unlike Howe, Desmond Ritter wasn't even a good prospect. He's there basically just to engineer an offense and not screw it up. And 
when push comes to shove, because we will get more passing volume for the Falcons this year. Um, like last year, their 48% pass play rate in neutral game script, it was the lowest in the last 10 years. They literally just can't pass less than they did last year. So I'm expecting more volume naturally. And if that's the case, like it's on Ritter to keep it together. And I just don't know if he's the type of player who is, where at least Heineke was okay. He was fine last year. So uh, Theo, I'm taking that- Hal every time. Yes, Theo, that sounds like my role, uh, the Desmond Ritter role. Just just host and don't screw Keep it, it together. up. Just don't yeah. screw it up, right? Yeah. So, so I, I will agree with John that the higher fantasy ceiling is definitely Howell. And and Howell is a guy that I have I have a uh, Howell-Brissett combo. It's very easy to do that in, in Dynasty because I think Brissett is, by all, by all means, a, a very capable backup. And I think that if you have both those guys, you're, you're feeling good. But I will say this, John, I think in terms of holding on to his starting role i think there's a chance that desmond ritter does enough this year and the falcons win too many games and they kind of box themselves out from like the elite players and he could hold his his job so um yes he absolutely is a game manager whereas Hal is a guy that can you know maybe produce some fantasy points but at the end of the day with drake london and Bijan robinson and kyle pitts He's got some some pretty talented guys to manage, and the defense I think is going to be improved in Atlanta and a winnable division. So if Desmond Ritter takes them to the playoffs and they win, you know, nine or so games, I think there's a chance that he's back behind center next year with maybe a little more competition behind him than Heineke. But there's a chance that Ritter could do it. All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to our last flag plant player right now. But before that, I just want to remind everybody what's going on in the world of player profiler in the world of four for four. So, John, for anyone that just came on to the live stream, tell them what they need to check out that you're working on right now during the offseason. Four for com. I am currently behind the scenes building my team preview shells that will begin launching next month. But as for right now, tons of best ball content, tons of player profile. Even my best ball tiers are live on the site for everyone to read through. If you're in FFPC streets as well, we have like CSVs to download where I manually cater them. For instance, like we were talking about Allen. I, I have Joe Mixon as my RB12, but my rankings don't matter if we can still get Joe Mixon two or three rounds later. So you have to actually cater those things to what drafts are happening. And since I'm constantly in the streets, I like to manually do that myself. So they're all downloadable for everyone there. And as we mentioned earlier, the most accurate podcast. Yeah, um, I can't wait to check that out, the latest episode as well. Theo, you're adding the Dynasty Roundtable to the already thousands of podcasts in the Player Profiler stream. Why don't you tell everybody about that quickly? Yeah, so you can check it out on Wednesday evenings uh, on on YouTube, on Player Profiler YouTube. The Dynasty Roundtable is going to be some of our writers discussing Dynasty. I want to give those guys a shout out. They do a really good job writing for us. Um, Seth Diewald, Matt Babich, and then they'll be rotating uh, writers with also some guests. I'll, I'm sure I'll pop in there one night this summer. And I also want to uh, give a shout out to myself. My my solo pod starts tomorrow. We uh, called Press Coverage. So that's going to be my first show is going to be with Sigmund Bloom. I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, you can still find me here on Sonic Truth. Find me on First Class Fantasy, but I'm adding one more weekly pod um, with press coverage. What's oh, so? It's that's what it's called. It's called press coverage. Got it. Okay, very yeah. clever name. And uh, just quickly, anyone that wants to check out any of uh, my content over at Rotowire, you could do so on my Twitter at Alan Tislowski. And we're back on SiriusXM every Sunday now from one to three. I'll be with Jim Coventry every Sunday on Channel 87. You can check us out for the rest of the off season. All right, and guys, check out and check out Alan tomorrow evening. Oh, the in goat the, on the goat district on yes. the goat district. Alan's in the go, on the goat district. I, I and you, one more, one more plug. I am live streaming by myself 
uh, tonight, the 9.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, best ball tournament on FFPC, the 125 entry. Um, I got an entry in the drafts. Like Those drafts don't always fill. This one's going to fill. And so I'm just going to go live for everyone tonight. I, I definitely if- want to watch that. Set, shoot that over. I'm going to retweet that for you because that'll be a fun one to watch. When, cool. when I'll you shoot start it out freak- tonight. Are you any freakouts, or you have you have the whole draft mapped out? Or are you going to start, you know, tilting a little bit? In what round can we? Can we I'm not really that? a tilter, but uh, those streams are always up in the air because we have snipers on there. So we'll see if someone wants to waste a few bullets just trying to piss me off. hundred yeah, percent. I don't know what it is, but I love watching live drafts. My wife watches like when she's when she's like uh, getting dinner ready and I'm sitting there with like a cocktail. She's like, "What the hell are you watching?" I go, "I don't know why I like this. I just do." You know, I just do. Favorite cocktail, Alan? Oh, I'm a martini, dirty martini guy the whole time. I was, I was about to say, I actually might make a dirty martini. Ooh. I like hot and spicy, so I like to make it with spicy pickle juice as well. Um, but yeah, I'm a yeah. martini guy. Yep, with a couple nice juicy olives in there. That's my thing. And sometimes too many. How about you, Theo? You, uh, are I'm you not a, a I'm Jameson not a, guy? Or? No, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge drinker, but if I am going to have a, a drink, I'll, I'll get a black label with a little bit of rocks. That's right. kind of my go-to. Yeah, I was going to call you a, like a whiskey guy. On You yeah. seem like a whiskey guy. Yeah, Theo's not a big drinker. He just blows uh, massive rails of lines before uh, drafts. <laughs> that, you know. that's, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Alex. Easy. Thank yeah. you, Alex. Big that's cocaine guy. Huge yeah, cocaine it. guy. Huge. Huge. Can't get enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, our last flag plant of the day for the Dynasty season. We're going to round out Dynasty Week. Let's let the guest of honor, John Daigle, who is the last flag plant guy that you need to, that everyone that follows you and trusts you needs to get blindly. I don't care if you like them or not. Let me start with Theo. I know you had a good setup, but I closed everything out thinking the podcast was done. Now I have to open back up my notes. Okay, so you know what we'll start. <laughs> I, I also I also had the end screen ready to run. Sorry about that. I'll give, guy. John, I'll give John a second. All right, so it's let's remote. kill it there. There, let's go. No more flag plants. Go. I'm okay. sorry. My yeah. fault. I'll say. Ramondre this, by the way, one second. One second. This is Stevenson. guys. Guys, this is lightning round flag plant. You get you get one maximum two lines to describe why they should get him. Theo, you're up first. Ramondre Stevenson. He's 25 years old. He's getting older. Last year, we saw him have his absolute breakout season. I think the offense is going to take a step forward. Bill O'Brien. I'm still big on Ramondre Stevenson. He is not going away this year. All right. I'll, I'll go second while John finishes getting, and we'll have him round it out. Uh, all the good news on Paris Campbell. I've been waiting. He's he's literally occupying the last spot on my roster on all my dynasty teams. I was getting ready to cut him. Then he gets signed by the Giants. Uh, I expect nothing, but if I get something, uh, hopefully I can get him into the top 36 wide receivers this year. Uh, who the hell knows which Giants receiver it's going to be outside of Darren Waller. You're up, John. Rasheed Rice in every league. route rate from the boundary in 2021, 83% route rate from the slot in 2022. So unlike these other players like Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore, who can only play one position, Rasheed Rice is available in three wide sets no matter where you want to put him on the field, A 1,000 yards in both positions. What do you think it is? Do you think there's a little Sky Moore bias that's holding Rasheed Rice down? Is that what it is because it burnt us last year? Well, that and I mean, Kadarius Tony seventy ADP is wild. For for as much as I like Kadarius Tony, it's such it's so ambiguous to have that much confidence in a player. To me, is crazy. Okay. ADP is almost the same as last year after he burned everybody. It's uh, it's I no mean, memory. It, it, Kadarius Tony is Sky more ADP this year. It's it's wild. 
All right, everybody, that's it. That's another Sonic Truth Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. Matt Kelly will be back next week. Uh, I believe it's like July. Is it? Oh, no, it's not July 4th yet, right? What's the? We have another one before the July 4th holiday or... We're, yeah, we're, we'll be okay. we'll be back uh, normal normal time next. Be back week, at the normal show. time, everybody. If you have any questions about any of the players that John or Theo talked about, you can uh, send them a DM, send them a note on Twitter. They'll get back to you. Till then, let us know how you do in your dynasty startup leagues. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. Well done, boys. Standing ovation.